Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Next to me is Jacqueline Coley. I am merely FBI agent Mark Ellis and Jacqueline. The movie we're talking about today, look, there's films, there's great cinema, and then there's movies that were literally made so that we could talk about them on this program. It's going to be a good day. It really is going to be a good day um, to go have adventures and jump out of planes. Yeah, we get to surf. We get to jump out of planes. Baby rob a bank as an ex-president. It is Point Break. And if anybody says which Point Break movie, the real Point Break. 1991's classic Catherine Bigelow directed Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze starring action film that does so much more than just action. It is 69%, which is a fitting number for one of the Bill and Ted cast members to be in a movie that is 69% fresh on the tomato meter. That might surprise some people, not me. I I'll reserve my feelings on it until our special guest joins us. It is 79% on the audience score. And in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have one of the stars of Good Morning Football, which you can catch daily on the NFL Network, as well as the new reality show Frogger. It's a game show. There's competition. It's hosted by Mr. Kyle Brandt who's going to be joining us in just a little bit. So excited to have Kyle on. We're going to talk point break. I, Jack and I might get into some football-centric point break-ish questions. This could go any number of directions, and the more off the rails it goes, the more fun we're going to have because it's that kind of movie, Jacqueline. This is that kind of movie. And honestly, like, it's fresh, so we shouldn't be too upset about it. But I'm surprised that Academy Award-winning actress Catherine Bigelow did not get her due when this film hit theaters and it was not as beloved as it should be because it is a classic. It's one of the all-time greats. And to give us a synopsis as to what Point Break is about, Jacqueline Coley surfs up. Yes, all right. So Point Break stars Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. And Patrick Swayze is the leader of a band of bank robbers who also happen to be extreme sports junkies. They like to surf, they like to jump out of planes, and he is tasked with going undercover with them to find out if they are the same group of individuals who are robbing banks under the moniker of the dead president. Ex-presidents, ex-presidents. Sorry, (laughs) ex-presidents, not dead ones, sorry. Fair on that one. I don't know why Um, I'm in my feelings about it, but yeah. No, this is very fair. You want to make sure you get it right. Um, And he also has the greatest name in cinema, Johnny Utah. But he befriends them, ends up kind of becoming somebody that it's a little bit Stockholm Syndrome where he has a hard time drawing a line between the bad things they do and and the aspect of them being friends that makes him feel alive. And he essentially gets beguiled by them to the point where he feels like he needs to shoot him, shoot bullets up into the air rather than shoot his friend when it's discovered that he is on the run and says the iconic line, I am an FBI agent. Well, the guys are going for their final heist. It is the highest stakes possible. And Keanu is on the hunt to find them. You have to watch the film to say to who whether or not they make it out alive because it's left a little bit ambiguous. But the final shot is Patrick Swayze riding one of the biggest waves possible and maybe taking his final ride into the sunset. The 50-year storm, as it were. Yeah, we're going to be spoiling Point Break, kids, because who doesn't want to talk about every scene, every moment, every iconic line like Jacqueline said, why can't I ever say what I really mean? 
it's going to be a good chat, not just with Kyle Brandt and Jack McCauley and myself, but we always love to include our expert review curation manager at Rotten Tomatoes, Tim Ryan, for a little segment that gets us started in the morning. Tim, take it away with two minutes with you. Two minutes with Tim. Writing about the Transporter films in 2007, salon critic Stephanie Zacharek wrote that they are considered by many to be a guilty pleasure. And maybe I'd feel that way too if I ever felt any guilt at the movies. I don't. I've often thought about that quote over the years because the term guilty pleasure is often used to describe movies like Point Break. And I would say, what's there to be guilty about? Point Break has great action scenes and an absolute bounty of quotable dialogue. Of course, critics in 1991 had no idea this movie would be held up as a cult classic 30 years later. So while many praised the stylish action sequences, more than a few felt it was just a mindless spectacle. Point Break is fresh at 69% on the tomato meter with 67 reviews, and it has a 79% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Gary Thompson of the Philadelphia Daily News succinctly summed it up when he wrote, Point Break is the best movie about cops, robbers, surfing, and skydiving that you're likely to see. However, in a rotten review, Juan Carlos Cotto of the Miami Herald wrote, Point Break has some eye-catching visuals in its frenetic action sequences, but even the slow-mo surfing gets tedious. It's like being trapped in a soft drink commercial. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Absurd, over-the-top, and often wildly entertaining, Point Break is here to show you that the human spirit is still alive. So that's Point Break. And Jacqueline, Mark, if things get too heated during this podcast, a great way to cool things down would be for one of you to say, back off, war child. Seriously. Back to you, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Back off, Tim, seriously. And Tim, when you go get those meatball subs, get me two. That is the perfect way to describe this movie, I think, is just a celebration of the human spirit. So why not bring in another human being into the mix? And why not make that human being, once again, the co-host of the new show on Peacock, Frogger, and the co-host of Good Morning Football, which I watch every morning on NFL Network. Kyle Brandt, here we go. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. And if you are Kyle Brandt, I imagine that is talking a lot of football and good morning football on the NFL Network hosting Frogger, which is currently in season one on Peacock or hopefully Kyle talking about Point Break. That's our movie. And I have a feeling I know which way you're going to lean about this particular piece of cinema. I caught my first tube today. Sir, Uh, listen, this is I've won the Oscar getting to do this. This is that this is my Graceland that I have arrived at. I climbed Everest of every single motion picture in American world history to get to talk about with you guys. 1991's Point Break. It it, it could not be better. This truly is 100 percent pure adrenaline. Like, where do we even start? Well, we we start with the tomato meter because the show is Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. And so I just have to ask you as succinctly as you can, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong with their 69% score, which is fresh, but it's 69% of point break. While I do acknowledge that the likes of Johnny Utah and Bunker and Warchild would probably appreciate the number 69 in this sense, <laughs> given their lack of sophistication, it's truly one of the great crimes uh, of movie rating, not only in Rotten Tomatoes, but in all the critics I grew up watching from Gene Siskel to Rex Reed to all of them. Six sub seven. You're telling me that 31 percent of critics sat down and watched the major motion picture Point Break and were saying, Ah, not feeling it. I think they kind of missed the mark on this one. It's not really interesting. The characters aren't very cool. The dial- Are you got to be kidding me? Any- 99% would be a crime. 69 is unspeakable. So yes, we're way low. I would have this up in Toy Story numbers as well, Jacqueline. Jacqueline Coley, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about Point Break? Yes, Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about Point Break. However, let's keep it real. As much okay. as I love this movie, they ain't that <laughs> wrong. This movie, this movie is is hardcore cheese factor in all of the best <gasps> ways. Mm-hmm. I can definitely push it above certified fresh. And I love Catherine Bigelow. I love so many people involved in this. But those line reads, yeah. <laughs> what comes to mind? What comes to mind as a bad line read? Take I your mean, pick. basically, first of all, not just line reads, like Lori Petty's whole character, poor child Stuff. and everything she had to do. Um, mm. I am an FBI agent. <laughs> and then just him 
being like whoa Keanu but trying to like hold it back like you know he just wants to be the bro that this was his life and you could feel it it's not quite as bad as he is in Dracula but you can literally feel him just (laughs) trying to hold back who he really is to portray this role again it's not that it's bad it's just I know it's not good. Like, it mm-hmm. just isn't. And Anthony Kiedis, I'm sure it was great that he showed up, but he did not <laughs> offer any cinematic <laughs> benefits other than his abs. <laughs> I, oh, wow, I that, was, that was right. It's quite a takedown. The uh, the yeah. Jesus candles behind you are crying, I think, based on that <laughs> attack that you just did. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're all missing the point because it is some of the best beach football scenes that we've ever had put on camera, not to mention all the bank robbing and the surfing and the jumping out of planes. So I will also say Rotten Tomatoes is dead wrong. I consider Point Break the only real, real tough call I have here is whether Point Break is the greatest action film of the 90s, because it's either Point Break or The Rock. Those are my mm. two that I go back and forth with. Kyle, do you have any any sense of any inkling leaning one way or the other on either one of those flicks? Well, I, I will. I, I will. Um, I hate to one up you here, but it, I would go to the origin story of the first time I saw this movie in the summer of 1991. Um, I believe it was July 11th, 1991, and in back-to-back weekends, myself as a 12-year-old, I saw Point Break, and the prior weekend, I saw Terminator 2: Judgment Day. So it, you were just on such a heater and movies could not be cooler and guns could not be louder and, and villains could not be more intimidating. So I actually think, in my opinion, the two greatest uh, action movies of the 90s were in back to back weekends in 1991 in T2 and Point Break. Yeah, T2 is the one that I snuck into. I paid for a ticket for something else, and then I snuck into T2, and then I think maybe <laughs> my parents found out, and that's why I didn't risk trying to go see Point Break in theaters, sure. but I was able to rent it, because the cover, it wasn't like it was like a basic instinct where it was a huge red flag right away. It was just this cute guy, and there was yep. a wave, and it was an action movie, and if if you wanted to rent a movie in my household and you told my mom Patrick Swayze's in the movie, she, you get to rent it. And as it turns out, the whole family became massive fans of Point Break. But if we're yeah. going to boil it down to the one scene, and I know this is really putting you on the spot early in the show here, Kyle. Okay. There, the one scene that really speaks to you the way that the waves speak to Bodie, what is that scene in Point Break? <laughs> I mean... Essentially, you're asking me to go into the Sistine Chapel, look up at the ceiling and pr- <laughs> pick the prettiest color. And what am I supposed to All right. And I'm going to go back because I, I happen to, it, it's a small scene. It's not like the big showdown. Look, the skydiving is a beautiful scene and the music is incredible. The scene in which Utah is using the outdoor shower at the beach and is just showering in slow-mo and Angelo's across the street And all of a sudden, what do you know? The surfer punks undo the shower and he turns around and comes face to face with Bunker and with Lupton Warchild Pittman and with (laughs) Kiedis. And the dialogue is just, okay, I know. This is where you tell me that yuppies like me shouldn't be surfing the break. Nope. And then Kiedis, that would be a waste of time. And the Bunker, and then Warchild, like he probably worked this line for weeks. We're just going to bleep you up. Oh, (laughs) and then the brawl and there's a surfboard and then Bodie runs in and you get like the hilarious piece of dialogue, which is back off war child. Seriously. Seriously. Thank you. It's just like that. It's just you're fishing with dynamite at that point. And that and then it dovetails into this funny exchange with Angelo where he runs by and then soulful talk with Bodie in Utah. You're not going to start chanting on me. It's just it's just hit after hit after hit. That two minute stretch is what I show up for. This the guy. Yeah. Okay. I know. This is where you tell me all about how locals rule and Yuppie insects like me shouldn't be surfing the break and all that, right? (laughs) Nope. That would be a waste of time. (laughs) We're just gonna fuck you up. (laughs) Jacqueline, not only is Kyle Brandt, clearly he's seen the movie a couple times since that (laughs) inaugural effort in the theater. He sounds like he could compete in a movie trivia schmodown just based around Seriously, point absolutely. Break. So 
I'm going to make you follow that thunder with your lightning as Jacqueline Coley's favorite scene in Point Break. It's pretty tough to top the scene where Angelo thought a kid stole his car stereo. I mean, I'm not going to try and top that scene because I'm absolutely not even going to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to be able to do it and definitely not to the detail that he did. But actually, what I really love about this and for folks that don't know, Fast and the Furious robbed Point Break for every beat that's in this movie. I love mm. watching the movies that the other ones robbed from. That's exactly what this movie is. It's the same thing. I love the moments when Keanu has to go back to John McGlinty and John McGlinty's looking at him like, what the hell are you doing, dude? And like, why is this not, uh, we want you to go catch these guys, not make them the presidents of your fan club. Like you cannot do this. And I love him in that because he is so exasperated. He's such a good actor. Those are the best scenes in that movie because he gives it between him and Swayze. I feel like they give two of the best performances in that film, even though he is nowhere near any of the fun of it. And the day that Keanu Reeves comes back to him and he says, I, what did he say? I caught my first, uh, what did you call it? Yeah, my I caught tube. my first tube today. That was it. I was like, uh. this is this is the movie. And just John McGlinty's like exasperated face in that moment. But then yeah. like realizing that, oh, he's got to do this. <laughs> like he has to become one of them for this to work. And that I, th that's the, the part of it that I really love. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what you've produced. Over the last two weeks, you two have produced exactly squat, squat. During which time the ex-presidents have robbed two more banks. Now for Christ's sake, does either one of you have anything even remotely interesting to tell me? Caught my first tube this morning, sir. Yes, yeah, see, in it. my head canon, this is the same universe as Office Space, and John C. McGinley's character was so fed up with Pappas and with Utah, he quit and just became one of the Bobs in corporate mid-level management for the rest of his life. So if if I have to pick, a, and, and first of all, with Kyle's scene, look, I've been to That's Santa amazing. Monica many times to go in the ocean. The showers there never feel that good. Like it's never one of those, oh, That's it's true. a commercial. I'm getting zestfully clean and it's just yeah. the nice water. And yeah. also the rocks on Angelo to be, because he's stationed across the street and yep. he just runs it. That's the PCH kids. That is You're a, right. That is yeah. a bustling <laughs> thoroughfare. So that's a great scene. The one that I, I I'm, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to kind of do two-ish because I don't think Lori Petty's character Tyler gets enough love when we talk about Point Break. She is so good. And, and she gives a legit, I think her and Patrick Swayze give like legit great performances. And I'll throw... Um, I, I'll throw Angelo Pappas played by the one, the only Gary Busey. I don't know if Gary Busey knew they were filming a movie, but <laughs> he's that. great in it regardless. And it is the scene where where Utah and Tyler realize that there is some romanticism between them when they go for that. They, they go. Utah gets invited to a party at Bodie's, uh -huh. and he's finally in, and he doesn't even realize that these might be the ex-presidents yet, but yeah. he he they go on a midnight surfing run, which according to the movie Jaws, you should never do. And they mm -hmm. surf. They have a great time. And everybody else is like, all right, we caught our waves. But Utah and Tyler are still out there. And mm -hmm. they're shivering. And you need some body heat. Why not have a full-on makeout sesh that lasts until the next day? And that is the beauty of movies. Because I'm sure in all of our romantic careers, we've tried a makeout session on the beach. And it gets a lot <laughs> sandier than it looks in the movies. I'll live for it. Great calls. Uh, I, I would just offer quick responses to both of them, which I love. The McGlinchey thing is a great call because it is an incredibly cliched character that he's given. The angry police sergeant, you know, Utah, Pappas, my office, now. That is wildly <laughs> cliched. And yet it still soars. It yeah. really does. And not only in the office, but when he walks in with Tom Sizemore and he's all pissed about it's not an easy thing to do, is it, Utah? And then finally at the end, Pappas, you're only a little older, a little fatter, a little more pathetic, and gets punched. He is really, every time he's in the movie, he's excellent. Yeah. Um, as it pertains to Angelo Pappas, you know, in all the lines in this movie that are celebrated and on bumper stickers and Twitter bios and everything, I <laughs> honestly think that the most identifiable line is this stupid throwaway from Angelo Pappas in which he says, Utah, 
Get me two. Like, I think that's the one. He's talking about two meatball sandwiches. It has nothing to do with crime or anything. It's just, but really, Busey sells that scene so well. And how this Calvin and Hobbes is funny. And like, the Utah get me two, I think, is the, the takeaway line from the whole movie. It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 1030. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Two. Thank you. Utah, give me two. That's the scene that made me and my brother want to become cops, not because we wanted to fight crime, but because we just wanted to sit in cars and eat food. And that's what a stakeout looked like. <laughs> but that scene actually is a great one to highlight because... Jacqueline, I feel like that's one of the many scenes in this movie that shows what a great director Catherine Bigelow is. Yeah. Even if it's not this this out of this world skydiving or surfing sequence, because we we pull back with the camera, and while Angela's reading Calvin and Hobbes and and Utah's ordering the sandwiches and the lemonades, we see the ex presidents pull up and yep. they run in and they run out. We see how efficient they are, and we see how even good ish FBI agents could miss it. It's a really fun thing to check out just how quickly it all goes down <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to carvana it doesn't get any better than this your favorite seat's the best spot in the house make it even better by entering your license plate or vin and getting a real offer in minutes there really is no place like home and speaking of home carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah. I also think, too, I mean, Kyle, I feel we're definitely stepping into the lair of a point break aficionado. Like, okay. seriously, Go if on. you just want to be like the phone a friend for any point break <laughs> question on a schmodown, I have a feeling people would call you a... But I will say this. There's like a lot of things about Point Break that show what Catherine Bigelow did. But the main thing is the charismatic leader and what she was able to do with like the Patrick Swayze scenes. Like Bodhi, if he was not doing robbing banks, he would absolutely be the leader of a cult. Like this mm -hmm. dude is like Branch Davidians, like every aspect of that. And there's so many cults. Like so I listened to a lot of cult podcast so many like um of the key signatures of cult-like behavior are a part of how Bodhi indoctrinates uh johnny utah into his group and so that is actually the more interesting thing and my favorite scene is like any of those fireside chats that patrick swayze does where he's basically giving the folklore of like you know the 50-year waves and like mm -hmm. this is just who we are and like all of these bros are just sitting there eating it up like it's sunday morning cartoons and i'm just like right. this is this is how this goes down and uh yeah it's very interesting especially Nowadays, as we look at similar people doing similar things like that. But wow. Kyle, what about you? Do you have another scene that you like particularly? Well, I'm fascinated by your cult take. Like it's it's an almost uh, like a David Koreshian type charisma that he has because when he starts preaching about that 50 year storm, he's kind of getting warmed up. And then one of his bros is like, yeah, that's kind of a myth. And then Bodhi's like dead ass serious. Like, no, it's real. It's absolutely real. Every 50 years, the planet wants to let us know just how small we really are. And I have to also say, like, do we know for sure that Bodhi's gone and dead? Like, nope. we definitely don't. No, we do not. All we see is it going down a crazy big wave and the Australian cops in, we'll get him when he comes back in. And then we're just going to play some rat and roll the credits. Like, we never see him die. I, I feel like he's still out there some way, which makes it even more kind of mystical because of Swayze's demise. That, like, also, where is Bodhi and what world is he in? He is a truly mythical figure. And let's not forget that when Tyler first refers to him, 
she uses like his full name. She's like the Bodhisattva or whatever. I don't even what she says. It's not, Bodhi's like short for something that sounds again like your cult thing, like this religious figure. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I'm if he's in a cult, like, I'm sorry, I'm in the cult too. Like I want to yeah. join. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to get your friends to rob banks with you. And it's it's not like it, it's not like Roach was the one who's like, hey, maybe we should start robbing banks. It's like that was clearly a Bodhisattva idea. And then also along with it, you know, you meet some people surfing, you get ingratiated with them. But he already, it, we always have people in our lives that remind us of characters that we see in movies. And for me with Bodhi, it was the town coordinator of the, to of the comedy store when I started working there and got and got made a regular there was Tommy. And and you've probably, if you've been around that club at all, you heard the legends of Tommy, but he had sort of the similar Swayze hair and he just spoke in these weird mystical tones about stand-up that didn't necessarily always apply to what was going on, but it was interesting. And he was a captivating figure, regardless of how you feel about him. You know, he did a lot for me early on. Then you sort of look at him as like that, that wise sage it's not a father figure it's not an uncle it's it's like a yoda it's like they just sit there mm -hmm. and and they they can be very quiet and peaceful but when it comes to action they can spring into it without hesitation which is mm -hmm. why bodhi was such a fan of johnny utah because in kyle's first scene he highlighted he says afterwards like i saw you you had that pitbull instinct you didn't hesitate and so Bodhi thought he found himself a kindred spirit, which is why this FBI agent who's infiltrating a ring of surfers, which again, do you need a better log line to <laughs> sell so your great. movie? Absolutely, it's, yeah. It, it's why I buy that so much. So I had to bring this up and, and I okay. wanted to do it at some point. So there, there were always rumors about a Point Break sequel. Yeah. And apparently, according to mythology, this is now me standing up on the fire pit telling you all about the 50-year storm. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> the in sequel the is a myth. It's a myth. No, it's real. <laughs> no, it's totally real, bro. So in the mid-2000s, yeah. some executives were kicking around trying to get a Point Break sequel, and they had preliminary attachments for both Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, okay. as the story goes. There was a script, or at least a treatment of a script that was going around, and they approached Jan DeBont to be the director of it, the guy who did Speed. Sure. And so we already have a pretty cool concept going. What made it even more of a sell for me is that they were going after none other than Eddie Van Halen to do the soundtrack for Point Break 2. And okay. we never oh, wow. got it. It's the best movie that never existed. Wow. And that hurts Mark's pride. You don't know this, Kyle, but I need to give you the backstory. Yeah, so the way you feel about Point Break is the way Mark feels about <laughs> Van Halen. In fact, oh, no whenever kidding. there's like a very bad... Washington football team uh, loss. I'm just yep. like, what? which Van Halen track are you queuing up mm -hmm. today, sir? Uh, only yeah. time I've ever seen this man, not the the cheesiest individual on this earth was the the, the news yeah. when when Van Halen's guitar is passed. Like he literally was like, it was it was touch and go there for a while, but he's doing great. And I'm glad that he was able to give you that that inside <laughs> scoop. Wow. All right. Well, listen, I, I'm I'm right there with you. It, it was my first concert of all time was on the Carnal Knowledge tour. So like oh, I, I wow. get it. I'm into it. And that would have been incredible to have Eddie play and put that mm -hmm. soundtrack together. And so am I to take away from that then that in the sequel, what we're saying about Bodie surviving the wave would have come to fruition. And then is Utah, Utah, he ditches the badge at the end, which is a whole nother conversation. Is he yeah. back with the FBI or he's gone rogue? I wonder where they were going with it. I, I mean, if you want to pitch your sequel, I, I would love to hear it because we do all think that Bodie survived, right? And we yeah. do think that Johnny Utah never went back to the FBI. And he probably, Johnny Utah probably owns a surf shop somewhere in Australia. Bodie might own a surf shop in New Zealand. So they could meet up at, they could lock horns at a random surfing competition where they don't know the other person's going to show up. Yeah. I, wow. I mean, I actually am a little bit more of like, and granted, this makes it a little bit more Force Awakens, so I'm I'm going down that. Go but for to it. mythologize their adventures. So if you had a group of youngsters who maybe start doing crypto robberies, and Ooh. you can tell that they're trying to pay homage to the ex-presidents, and like in doing so, they're doing it in the hopes of bringing. Bodhi out, and the first person they go to is an aged doggy Johnny Utah, who is this is not this moment sort of was the beginning of him going down a very dark path. Ooh. And and this brings him back and he finds his old, you know, senpai. And, oh and maybe uh, we find that there's connections that we don't realize between Bodhi and these crypto kids. 
Oh my gosh. And they, these crypto kids are still paying homage to the ex-presidents and their yeah. screen names are like LBJ all day. Exactly. Like that. Oh my God, exactly. I'm into that. I'm into and, that. <laughs> and then, but what happens is uh, real life people start coming after him. That's where you get the action. So like they mm -hmm. robbed the wrong person. Mm -hmm. And now it's like a race for them not to get killed or, you know, keep up with their Robin Hood act. That That's my pitch. I'm just bummed that Swayze's gone. We, we, this, this all should have happened. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing because we need more of this. We need more of him. Yeah. We need more Bodhi in our lives. And and when you think about the legacy of Point Break, Kyle, it, it has so many tentacles to it because it did jumpstart Catherine Bigelow's directing career, who, as Jacqueline said, would go on to win an Academy Award and is one of the best directors working right now. Keanu Reeves, we've seen what he's been able to do in the realm of action since then with the Matrix trilogy. It, as of now, we get a new Matrix coming out soon. N another John Wick in the can that we're working on, too. So... I guess the funny question is, because I don't consider this a cheesy movie. I don't consider it a guilty pleasure. How has Point Break influenced your life and your career? What lessons does that 12-year-old Kyle take from seeing Point Break? And how did you apply that to the rest of your life? Well, I mean, it's the classic lessons, really, that if... If you are ever involved in being pursued in a foot race, you always want to throw a dog at someone to get them off. I <laughs> pick up the you. dog and throw it. Sorry, I love dogs, I love animals, but if you're chasing me, I'm throwing a dog at your ass. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm like, we cannot get to the end yeah. of this conversation um, without talking about dog tossing. That do it, do, what's your take? What's your take on the dog tossing? I want to hear yours first. I want to hear yours first. Well, listen, I have a little bit of a downer and it's not about dogs. I, in the research of this, the film that I've conducted in my spare time over the years, I got a little bit of a buzzkill in which I learned that in fact, the gentleman in the suit and the mask is not Patrick Swayze in that chase. And that he was on a different set of a different movie and it is just mm. a stunt man that Keanu was chasing. So I absolutely loathe that. But <laughs> my take on the thing is like, that chase is already so intense. And you have a guy in a Reagan mask running from 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 Keanu and they're through houses and there's it's just so cool. And at some point they're like, we got to ramp this thing up. What if uh, Bodie stops, which is strategically a terrible idea in a foot race, just to pitball sneak attack, pitball sneak attack Utah. <laughs> like it's just it took it from like a nine to a 50 and they didn't need that. It's a fine chase scene without the pitball <laughs> throw, but they did it anyway. And that's point break. There's that's been many iconic. great chase scenes. There, there, there's yeah. been great, you have the French connection, you have Ronan. None yeah. of those chase scenes involved a dog being thrown. And for all of our animal lovers out there, I'm looking at Molly the Wonder Dog currently in great. the shower. Um, it was a fake dog that they threw. So yes. yeah. they, I, I read the behind the scenes that it was actually a, a, a fake dog that actually gets thrown. It's a real dog at parts, but then they cut to a fake dog that is actually tossed. So, so no great. animals were harmed in the making of this They movie. were like shooting the chase scene and they're like, so Catherine, we're wrapped on the chase scene. What do you think of it? And she's like, I gotta be honest, I think it's like 90% pure adrenaline right now. I, I, it's only, it's at 90. What can, anybody have any ideas? Yeah. And somebody in some room said, you could throw a dog at him. And they're like, let's do it, let's shoot it right now. It's awesome. For, for as many like very like high tour things that Catherine Bigelow has gone on to do, she understands broed out moments. She understands like what what is gonna get these guys to stand up in a theater and be like, that's cool, man. Like, and I think it is because she literally lived with the cinematic version of that in in James Cameron. And so mm -hmm. she literally was like, what would get 20-year-old James out of his seat standing up? Toss a dog. Hell yeah. You know <laughs> what? Dog toss. And it's a great call. I, I think of there's a moment, there's 50 moments in the Hurt Locker, but there's a moment when Anthony Mackie is looking through his sniper rifle and he's not allowed to break concentration or else he loses mm -hmm. the enemy. And a, a bleeping fly comes and lands on his eyeball and he still doesn't blink. And like that is the throw the dog moment where as, as a dude or as a woman, as anybody, you're like, God, that is awesome, Catherine Bigel. I, I love it. Yeah. And it's it's just such a throwaway thing you don't even notice. But it, man, is it good. And then she is such a great director. And Patrick Swayze's apparent stunt person is such a good actor that <laughs> that scene where it's literally just a Reagan mask that is looking back at Johnny Utah, where they kind of realize that, oh, we're on opposite sides mm -hmm. here. I feel emotion radiating from a Ronald Reagan Halloween mask that and I have I didn't feel that emotion rating from Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula for all two hours of that movie Fact. in defense in defense of the movie though Reagan was an actor so maybe in a sense like his his face is still 
acting. You know what I mean? It's a great. <laughs> I mean, great just point. to wrap this up, that is what you really call giving one for the Gipper. Oh! Hey! Uh, nice job. Thank you. Which is thank a perfect you. transition thank because you. I do have some football-centric point break-related questions okay. to ask our special guest, Kyle, who is great yeah. every uh, week morning on Good Morning Football with a great crew that you have over there. I would love to see y'all rob a bank. That'd be fun to have, <laughs> it, you know, it, it Kay come in first and Nate is the, the point guy driving the car. It'd be a lot of yeah. fun. Schrager probably is driving the car, right? <laughs> I think they uh, I, I actually, I think Peter's the one who says, Let's go to the vault. And we're like, no, Peter, we're not going to the vault. What are you crazy? We're going to the vault, man. And straight, calm down. <laughs> live, I live. Right, so in in point break, Cannon Johnny Utah was a great quarterback at Ohio State until he had his knee folded about ninety degrees the wrong way during the Rose Bowl. Yeah. The fact that Ohio State made the Rose Bowl is impressive enough. But Kyle, if you had to say that this football player currently in the NFL it most resembles Johnny Utah, who would you say? Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Um, <laughs> young, dumb, full of blob. <laughs> and I don't mean Josh Allen's not dumb. He's actually great. But he's got that youthful, youthful energy. Um, he's, a, he's, he's a guy who played at Wyoming, which is far from Ohio State. But he's just the rocket arm. Uh, Josh Allen is wildly unafraid. He would, he's the kind of guy who would jump out of a plane with no parachute and just scream as he does it. Um, he's going to talk some 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 bleep to Roach as the blood is leaving his body and he's going to die. He's got that mean side. And just a pure talent. Also incredible with the play action as Utah is on the sand. So Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, uh, not even close uh, to Keanu Reeves, Johnny Utah. And I think that's a huge compliment to both of them. I, yeah, I Josh Allen's mobility does show yep. up, and hopefully his knees stay healthier than Johnny Utah's did. I, you know, I would compare Bodie Jacqueline to your boy Aaron Rodgers. It, recent events totally. aside, but it doesn't hurt. I still feel like Bodie is kind of. I think Aaron Rodgers probably watched a lot of Point Break in the off season. I don't point. think you're wrong. He did Keanu for John Wick, and although yeah. he's using some of his influence for less. Um, altruistic purposes, I will go ahead and say <laughs> that he has that charismatic cult-like leader because like even me, who I am missed, like I was like calling up family members to try and get them to get the shot. He literally had me being like, man, this is like your uncle saying crazy stuff on Facebook. Like, I don't know where to go with this, man. Like, it Bodhi was hard. would not do well in the in the era of social media. Oh, Bodhi might be considered one part of the internet. So, so. I, I won't be mad at you on that one because even me, like I, I had, I had, it was a moment where I was just like, this is just like, I don't know what to say. I, like if people were calling me up, making fun of it, I just had to like thumbs up and back on text messages like, Yep. Yep. Like you can't make me uh, you can't make me uh, hurt on this one because I've already shed my tears. But bringing it back to to you, Kyle, and the amazing stuff you're doing outside of football. Mark is my ESPN at this point because I'm the awards editor at Rotten Tomatoes. So <laughs> sure. as, as I like to tell people from October to March, if you're not getting nominated for something or going to something for people that are getting nominated, you are kind of like a din outside of that. I catch Packers games. I will tune in and tune out for that one game. I have no idea what's going on in the league outside of that, outside of Twitter. So I use him for my my translate. But sure. the show that you're on, Frogger, yeah. I do know a little bit about that. <laughs> and not just as a zenial type kid, I'm going to give you a little inside scoop, and this okay. is uh, news to everyone here. They approached me to be on that show. Oh, really? I got a little casting DM about Frogger. Your producers may deny it later, but I still have the evidence. <laughs> Why didn't you, did you, were you interested? I'm not going to jump in front of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go together. Oh, it's no, hard. No, I'm sure we would have so much fun with it, but literally, like, it, it reminded me of, like, Wipeout or, like, American. I was like, I don't have the physical, uh -huh. like, stamina for this. But tell us about the show. Do you have to be one of these, like, ninja warriors to, like, right. be a part so, of it? That's a, By the way, that's an incredible backstory. And I, and I also <laughs> say this. I think you made the right choice. And I'll, I'll tell you why. So everybody, most people watching remember Frogger, the classic arcade game where you got the little frog and you got to jump across the street and on the logs and the alligators and all that stuff. Well, they took it and they made it life-size. Like, it's massive. So 
in, in this case, the contestants are the Froggers and there's, you know, there's giant cars, like big foam cars and there's crocodiles and there's volcanoes. And it's absolutely, it's like this crazy Wonka acid trip, like video game life size. <laughs> it's amazing. So when I got there, I first time I showed up to the set, I was like, when can I do it? Get me out there. I was like a kid. Like, I want to try this. And they're like, well, legal standards and practice. When we're done shooting, you can get out there. So we shot for a month. We shot 13 episodes. And finally, they're like, Kyle, we're wrapped. Have at it. So I get out there. I jump on this course. And like, it absolutely beat the snot out of me. I was bleeding. I was bruised. I, I, luckily not to break a bone. It was so hard and so difficult. And, and, and believe me, you could be the greatest athlete in the world. You could beat SC at Ohio State. Doesn't matter. That course will chew you up and spit you out. I'm so glad you said no. No, oh, I, I know I... my limitations physically, and uh, I was an inside kid. You want to read a book uh, about Fogger? Sure. I'm your girl. You want to yes. go do Frogger? <laughs> better luck with you and Mark. <laughs> I was building forts in Virginia when I wasn't watching Point Break and dreaming of one day surfing at Virginia Beach. I was building forts in the backwoods of Virginia. I am ready for Frogger. I'm going to I'm gonna list Kyle Brandt as a close contact. He's my emergency contact. And it's, it's funny you bring up because you're part of the crew. You're announcing the action. Yeah. You're hosting the show. And... It's a little similar to what Patrick Swayze had to deal with in Point Break because he actually wanted to do all of the skydiving stuff because oh. he had already like earned his miles or whatever you have to do. He he had as many jumps as you need to be able to jump solo, and he was fine with it. He had done it multiple times, but the, the standards and practices, like the producers of the film were like, we literally cannot legally let you skydive. And so he's like, all right, fine, fine. But he would go up all the time, yeah. according wow. to legend, and bring a couple cameras and just get footage. Some of the footage, I believe, that made the final cut is actually from when they wrapped production. Patrick Swayze and a couple of his buddies went out with a camera. And I think they, they did let him do one jump. Yeah. And some of that stuff is in the final product of Point Break. I don't know that Keanu Reeves ever jumped out of a plane, but Mythbusters, like, did a a study on the scene towards the end where Bodhi jumps out and then Adios, Keanu Reeves, yeah, yeah, and he just and he jumps out of the plane without a parachute yeah. and he catches up to Bodhi and apparently it's not out of the realm of possibility according to really? Mythbusters. Yeah, well, that's great that the whole yeah. movie is completely uh, rationalized. Then that's fine. I'm glad that they did that. That's right. There's two shots of Swayze. One, he's kind of floating and he does a backflip in the air. That's clearly him. And then mm -hmm. the adios amigo shot where he jumps out is legit. You know, a lot of the Keanu ones, are, he's kind of just floating and it's like a tied up shot. It's like, yeah. um, like I remember when like when Seabiscuit came out, like I'm pretty sure Tobey Maguire was not riding that horse. It's more Dude. like one of those. But a lot of like, you know, Roach when they go up to him and he's like, how do you like it, Johnny? That's all a tight shot. But some of that Swayze stuff was totally legit. Um, I was going to ask you this guy. Have yeah. you ever jumped out of a out of a plane? Either one of you? No, I have not. Mark? No, I, I had the offer when I was uh, doing a USO tour in the Middle East to uh, to actually jump out of an airplane. But they I don't know. It wasn't it was like a weather related thing. It wasn't like suddenly uh -huh. the comedians were under attack, but it was a weather related. I would have done it. I and I will still do it. I would love to jump out of an airplane because the worst case scenario is that I have the coolest death of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not my not my truth. Um, uh -huh. I find living on the ground extreme enough, but I appreciate those <laughs> that do. I like watching it on movies and television, and we couldn't have moments like Point Break if there weren't like wild guys jumping yes. out of these planes to make these incredible shots. Whether you're tight on Patrick Swayze or wide the way they are with Keanu, you can't have it without that. So, and that's I'm down the point of it. these movies. They, they inspire us to be something greater than we are, even if we're never actually going to. I've never surfed. I've body surfed, but I've never actually surfed. Sure. But, um, you know, I've never jumped out of a plane yet, but it just makes us feel like we could do these things. And so it, it's been a, just a treat to celebrate this movie with somebody who I've met a lot of people, including myself, Kyle, that love Point Break. You might be right there at the top of the list. Thank you. I, I absolutely do love it. You know, there's this amazing little quote that, that gets forgotten about in the movie, but in a lot of ways describes a, a lot of Keanu's career in acting. It's it's kind of meta in a sense where he's he's out there on the beach and he's talking to Angelo on the mic and he says like, uh, am I just supposed to walk around with this thing under my arm, axe stoned? And it's like, that's kind of what he was doing for a while in his career, you know, like, and it was working for him, including in that movie. I, I will only close with my point is that if someone uh, were to visit from another planet or whoever, my grandkids one day and say, so tell me, what was this Keanu Reeves all about? 
and I could only show them one movie. I would show them Point Break. As much as I respect the Matrix films, as much as I respect John Wick, like that is a whole big production of wild space age special effects and everything that are beautiful. If you just want pure, unadulterated Keanu heat, I don't think you can do better than Point Break and you get Swayze in the same one. And that's just why I love this movie. It's it's a great encapsulation of everything that that movie means. I do want to get a streaming recommendation from you in just a minute, but I, I can't let you go. And Jacqueline, I want you to bear witness. This is my meta idea for the Point Break sequel. We can still make. Oh, yeah. What I do you came got? up with in the shower this morning. So it, but it is very like is like a winking at reality with fiction. So Johnny Utah was the Ohio State quarterback in the early 90s. And then he went on to be an FBI agent. My take is that he is now the head of the FBI's bank robbery investigations unit. And he's tracking a group of bank robbers who mysteriously hit the same town where the crew from ESPN's College Game Day are that weekend. And he finds out that real Ohio State quarterback during that time, Kirk Herbstreet, yeah. is actually behind a ragtag group of folks that include <laughs> Reese Davis, Desmond Howard, and Lee Corso that are robbing banks, and he has to bust a real Ohio State quarterback. Oh, my God. Wow. It's fantastic. If if there's a scene where, like, at the end, when Lee Corso puts on a giant Abraham Lincoln head and he does <laughs> the ex-president, and Utah's going to get away, and then Corso says, not so fast, my friend, and he's got his pencil. Like, I'm, I'm 100% in on that. That's a great idea. Oh, awesome. So <laughs> good. So we have good. way too much fun here on a weekly basis, and this even up the ante a notch because we were talking about Point Break. With our special guest, Kyle Brand, you can check out Frogger on Peacock, and hopefully one day you see Jack and I competing on there. You can also check him out every weekday morning on Good Morning Football. It, it's such a, a joy to watch y'all. Every morning you kind of get me in the mood to just wake up and feel energized. So even if you're not a huge football fan, it's just a great morning show. And it's the chemistry between y'all that really makes it tick. And so congratulations on, on such a a great endeavor that has lasted now for, for years and years and I hope continues to. Thank you very much. We've done uh, over 1,300 episodes, and my dad, I think, has watched Ooh. every single one of them. And he, and he always says, you know, you wake up in the morning, you, you, you want to start your day on a positive note. I flip over to those other channels, and these people are screaming at each other, and they just seem so pissed off. And it, it doesn't even feel like they, A, like each other, or B, like sports. So <laughs> we go over to you guys, and it's like, you know, football, it, it should be fun. And uh I, I, I feel like that's almost controversial at this point when there's so many other dark things to talk about, but football should be fun and we try to make it that way. Just not awesome. too much fun. I might have to throw a taunting flag on you. Oh! So, um, <laughs> what, what is what is your recommendation? It could be something that's like Point Break. It could be a TV show, a movie, something that you just checked out and you're like, hey, the world needs to know about this. Well, all right, so here's what's going on. Uh, I'm doing some classics. I'm doing Curb and Succession and that's that's just standard. God, did I like uh, Squid Game. I love that, but the world already knows about that. The one that the world is starting to know a lot about, it's it's not, um, let's put it this way. If it was a band, it's not playing open mic night. It's not playing bars. It's playing maybe amphitheaters, but not stadiums yet, yeah. is Yellowstone. Uh, Yellowstone oh, yeah. is so action-packed, and this is one of those where my wife got like 10 episodes ahead of me and she's like, please watch it. I'm like, I don't have time. And now I'm catching up to her. But it is, um, there are no filler episodes. There are no filler scenes. It is so turgid with stakes and tension and action. Like it's 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 almost point breaking in that sense. And there's, yeah. there's not a lot of makeouts on the beach or on the ocean, but I love Yellowstone. It's been really good. Uh, I agree with you on Yellowstone. Um, Taylor Sheridan, who wrote uh, Wind River and Sicario, and he's uh, a yeah. former cowboy turned uh, author. He um, is the sort of brainchild behind that, and he's brought all of his indie sentiments to to making that film. Um, what's the one? Uh, Come Hell or High Water, Oscar-nominated yeah. film. That's yeah. also his. So, yeah, very, right. very, very good writer. And so, yeah, I agree with you on Yellowstone, for um, sure. Checking uh, out. Yellowstone, then, if it works for a Point Break, man, it's going to work for all Point Break people around the world. Um, once again, the, the show on Peacock is Frogger, and, and it's just such a fun game show, and it really ups the energy, and, and it just brings a lot of kinetic enthusiasm to a show that you could, you could put on any time and just get lost in the stunts. And like Point Break, say, oh, I can do that. I can get away with that. So uh, I'm glad you're having a blast on that show as well, my man. 
It's so fun. It's listen. It's uh, it's sports and video games put together, and everybody loves both of those things. And also, like, my kids couldn't give a damn about the the Jaguars or the Chiefs or the Cowboys, but I put on this Frogger show, and they don't speak. And they're 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 eight and five, and they do not speak. And my eight year old son, I could not be more proud of him. I go, wow, look at you, Calvin. You're you're just riveted. And he goes. No, Daddy, I'm riveted, and I was like, "Wow, a real wordsmith here! I'm proud of you. Incredible! He just stuck the landing. I know." Final question here: Have the kids seen 1991's Point Break yet? (laughs) No, no, no. I figured I saw it when I was 12, and it was just absolutely perfect. And you know, when when uh, I when they're they're searching Tyler and Endicott's um, like kind of uh, rap sheet. And she says, wow, indecent exposure inside a moving vehicle. Hot, Utah. I was just got starting to understand what that meant. And I was 12 right in the hot spot. So when my son is 12, believe me, we will uh, sit down and we'll be in our tuxedos and we'll dim the lighting and have a formal event and watch Point Break. That is exactly the way you introduce a newbie to Point Break. (laughs) Well, before that happens, come on back to the show anytime you want and join us for another movie celebration. That is Kyle Brandt. You can catch him on Peacock's Frogger and NFL Network's Good Morning Football. Thanks once again, Kyle. It was a pleasure. Guys, it's great to meet you. I love this show. It was a thrill to be here and via con Dios. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Oh, uh, Jacqueline, you know, I, I could do that all day just talking point break really with anyone. But the fact that it, Kyle Brand is just such a great sport and obviously a fan of the flick like we are. It's just a nice community celebration, isn't it? It is. It does feel like it's like Applebee's here, your family. <laughs> <laughs> and I really think you and I would not do horrible in the new show Frogger. So maybe season two, we get the call. M- maybe we get, maybe. you know, again. Video game, we're both pretty good at. We'll see how we do in real life. In the meantime, we don't have a mailbag today. Again, I'm pitching a mailbag show, a whole mailbag episode. So keep those emails coming. If you have comments about an episode that you enjoyed or if you have a movie you want us to talk about that you're itching to see how we feel about, let us know. You can email us rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. And when you listen to the podcast, you can just head over to whatever vendor you use. I don't even know what you call these things, platforms. If you're listening to the podcast, they tell you to either rate or review or subscribe. Do that, and then you might get to hear more conversations about movies you love that are definitely not just guilty pleasures with stars you love. So, And Jacqueline and myself, who are famous in our own right. Jacqueline, you're a much bigger deal than I am, so you have the right to tell us what next week's episode is going to be. Can we reveal it? No, man, I think we're past that. You guys know that we're going to be breaking down something cool. We've had too many incredible guests like okay. that have been in the mix. And and who knows where this is going to land with that? You know, we just had Saffron Burroughs on. Today, we're talking to Kyle Brandt. We've had people, you know, we've had Harvey Guillen. Like the, the stars that we've been able to accumulate, we really just don't know which ones we want to bring to you next. Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Alan Ruck, like, guys, it, it's just going to be a feast to listen to. So tune in. How about that? I like the way you left it. So <laughs> there's nothing more to say because I'm choking on my own pride because I had such a good time with this episode. So Jacqueline and I and everybody here at Rotten Tomatoes, producer Lucy Bryant, Press Cal Brandt, we will see you next week. Via con Dios, everybody. <laughs>